0: Welcome to Fast Talk, the Velo News podcast and everything you need to know to ride like a pro. Hello and welcome to Fast Talk, episode 103. I'm your host, Chris Case. These are special times, challenging times, and this is a special edition of Fast Talk. And I say that not because we'll discuss COVID-19 in this episode, we hope to do that soon, but because this will be the last episode of Fast Talk to be released on the Velo News channel. What's that mean? Well, I have a big ask for all of you. Stop the track right now and head to your favorite podcast app. Search for the Fast Talk podcast and subscribe. All future episodes of Fast Talk will be released on that channel. Some of you have already found us there, many of you have not. The success of Fast Talk depends on everyone banding together to migrate with us. We hope you'll take the opportunity to do so now. In the episode today, as a way to say goodbye to our good friends at Velo News, we invited Editor-in-Chief Fred Dreyer to join us on the show to interview both Trevor and me about Fast Talk, where we've been, where we're going, and to discuss some of the highlights from our long history together. And with that, I'll do something I'm not sure I've ever done before and turn the show over to Fred Dreyer.
1: Uh, welcome to Fast Talk. This is not Chris Case, and this is not Trevor Connor. Uh, this is Fred Dreyer. I'm the editor in chief of Velo News, and I am going to be one of the hosts on this very special episode 103 of Fast Talk. This is a historic episode of Fast Talk because it is going to be the final episode of Fast Talk that airs on the Velo News podcast channel and that is produced under the umbrella of Velo News. Um, there's some big news going on with Fast Talk. Uh, Fast Talk is spreading its wings and it is going to fly off alongside the uh, Fast Labs company to create um, its own podcast network, podcast channel, podcast empire, dare yes, I say. empire. F- I like it. And today's episode of Fast Talk, um, I'm going to be talking with Chris and Trevor all about the future plans of Fast Talk, as well as we're going to look back, we're going to get back in the Wayback Machine and talk about the origins of Fast Talk, how it has progressed over these last four years. And we're just gonna, we're gonna get personal. We're gonna, mm. get, we're gonna talk stories. We're gonna talk about emotion and feelings. Of course, I have to intro my two guests on Fast Talk today. Uh, Chris Case and Trevor Connor. Chris, we're gonna start with you. We are recording this remotely. We are in very much in the era of coronavirus, COVID-19 therefore we are not in the same room. Um, Chris, give us a little sense of what uh, what your life is like these days.
0: Well, yeah, it's uh, very interesting times, I'd say in a lot of ways, very challenging times. We're making the best of it in the Case family. Um, we live in a quiet little town outside of Boulder, so we're we're spending more time inside than we'd like, perhaps, but uh, getting out on trails, uh, our young daughter is getting pretty antsy. She's out of school and, uh, you know, being a little bit of a terror now and again, but we're we're managing it well and keeping abreast of the, the news. Uh, I think in, in a lot of ways, we're very fortunate. Things are not particularly um, bad in our neck of the woods, but, you know, it, watching from afar... The places that are really struggling it's it's hard it's a it's difficult time and you trevor everybody
1: uh happy and healthy
2: look in terms of the social isolation thing i have been preparing for this for years so the sad thing is we just opened our new office and nobody is here and we're kind of on on hold which is a little sad because we were all excited about this but uh doing fine. And thankfully, this is all stuff that we can do remotely. So we will keep putting out podcasts. We'll keep putting something up to, to keep people entertained uh, uh, through this time.
1: So Trevor, you're one of those people when uh, the definition of quarantine all of a sudden got to be very popular and very uh, top of mind. You looked at it and you're like, wait, that's that's like
2: my daily life. Pretty quarantine. much. I was okay. like, so so what's changing here? Yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> I, I yeah I I kind of go from being socially isolated at my apartment to being socially isolated at my office. Socially isolated on the
1: bike rides too, Trevor. A couple of weeks ago, I was out running and I saw you. Yeah. Uh, riding and you were like, yeah, I'm going on this like massive six hour ride, riding up into the mountains where it's snowing, and then all by myself. And I was just like, oh my gosh, oh Trevor,
2: this is this is what I mean. Like now I have an excuse to be me. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going up into the mountains by myself. They're like, is that to get away from the, the whole virus? I'm like, sure. Yeah, that's why I'm doing it. The <laughs> new world order
0: built for Trevor Connor.
2: <laughs> well, guys, let's get into this new world order of
1: uh of Fast Talk. So, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is the final episode that Fast Talk will be uh recorded under the umbrella of Velo News. Um, what is the new era of Fast Talk? the podcast going to look like? What are the the big hopes and dreams here?
0: It's an interesting time to be launching a new business. And, um, as we've mentioned on the show before, we had, uh, plans for not only the, the podcast themselves, but these performance experience, these training camps. And of course those are on hold. Now people aren't traveling. It wouldn't be prudent for us to, to bring together a group of people in this time. So, we're in a little bit of a state of flux, uh, but the the hope when things get back to normal is that, yeah, the Fast Labs is not only a podcast network with Fast Talk as sort of its flagship show and new shows off course with Grant Holicky, another uh, great coach who's bringing on personalities for his show. Uh, as well as uh, Colby Pierce, who I'm sure our listeners are familiar with that name, great coach, fitting guru, um, excellent rider and time trialist and our record holder. Uh, he's going to have his show, Cycling in Alignment, coming soon. But the, the camps, yeah, they're on hold for the time being, and we'll just have to see when we can relaunch them, in the hopefully in the near
1: future. But the fact that Fast Talk will be one of multiple different podcasts about training and performance, part of a larger podcast family. I think that's really exciting and I think that's really important. Because, you know, when I look back at the history of Fast Talk and the history of the podcast with Velo News, it was always something that, you know, you guys had talked about, which was boy, we have so many ideas and we have um, you know, we we'd like to have uh, growth, and we'd like to expand from what we're doing, and and we at Vela News, we just didn't quite have the resources or the manpower or the the bandwidth to really expand, and so I'm really excited for you guys to be able to go out and do this because I think that something that you know just from listening to episodes of Fast Talk, um, and and doing my own podcast, you start to see that once you. Really dip to get the creative juices flowing around a podcast and talk to interesting people. You start to realize the, the limitless potential for content around even just a, a topic like training and performance. Like start with training and performance and then drill down from there. And you start to realize, oh my gosh, there's an endless amount of um, topics to hit and explore, reporting to do, and interesting people to talk to. And that's what I'm really excited about with what you guys are doing.
2: That's actually what I'm also, you know, thanks for bringing that up. I'm, I'm really excited about that as well. Uh, you know, Chris and I definitely fill a, a niche. Uh, but as you said, there, there, there's. it's just unlimited what you can talk about. There's so many other niches to fill, and, and we're really excited to bring in other hosts who can talk about things that maybe aren't the best things for, for Chris and I to talk about. Like, I, I love the fact we we've gotten a ton of feedback when Colby's been on the show that people love his holistic approach. That's, that's not me. I'm never going to be able to do that. So now we can have Colby do a show that, that has much more of a, a different focus, a different tone to it that I think is going to give a lot of our listeners something that, like I said, Chris and I couldn't do. The other thing we're really excited about is this also justifies now setting up a, a more professional studio as opposed to my trying to edit on the computer. We, we have Jana, who we absolutely adore, who has come on as our, our producer, who's bringing up the whole quality of, the, of all the shows. Uh, it's kind of the whole inside joke. For a while there, your show and our show were edited by my nephews, Cam and Mac, And uh, as I understand it, the joke at Bella News was they were actually one person. Well, Mac
1: spelled backwards is Cam. Yes, which was actually intentional.
2: (laughs) The Palindrome Brothers.
1: Uh, My podcast is still edited by Cam slash Mac, Mac Cam, Cam Mac Mac. and they do uh, they do a great job, but yeah, no, having a producer in house to be able to work on these things is going to be a, a huge step for, for you, up for you guys. Well, guys, let's get back in the wayback machine. I want to talk about the origins of Fast Talk because uh, I still remember it quite well. It was the summer of two thousand sixteen. I had just come back to Velo News. Um, I started my career at Velo News in two thousand four and was there through two thousand nine, and then came back in the spring of two thousand sixteen. And Trevor, we had not met. I had read your stuff, your training content in Velo News magazine, and i had heard a lot about you. I'd heard mo- I'd heard about you from Neil Rogers, as um, you know, when ne- there was some year where like Neil was really trying to get fit and get fast, and he was like, "I have Trevor, he's coaching me, and I'm gonna like you know break all the Strava records or something like that."
2: And, I was, and oh I- boy,
1: this guy, this guy must really know his stuff. <laughs>
2: I was going to say, I, I stand by everything Neil told you was wrong. <laughs> Anything you said about me, don't believe it. <laughs> and then
1: I met you in the uh, VeloNews offices. And I remember it was after a couple weeks, you approached me and you said, you know, hey, we have this idea, me and Kaylee, and we want to do a podcast. And I have the hardware and I have the ideas. And, um, you know, it was it was a simpler time, Trevor. It was... The summer of 2016, we were in the final months of the uh, Obama administration. Uh, Batman versus Superman had just come out, giving us lots of things to make fun of, namely the movie Batman versus Superman. Um, I'm trying to think how else. I was single and childless. Wow, a lot
2: has were you changed single since then? then. I thought you were you were already married. Wow. No, okay. I wasn't married. Well, I, you know, we were together, but I was.
1: And he calls himself
2: single. single. I hope your wife doesn't
1: <laughs> listen to this episode. I was going by my tax form, my tax filing. Oh, ah,
0: damn. there we go. Yes, the official status on your taxes.
2: Yeah, I forgot that you came in. I, so I had been living in Colorado. I moved back to Toronto in the spring of 2015. And that's right when you came in. That's right around when you took over. I'd forgotten about that.
1: And I just remember you talking about this idea and You know, I never asked you at the time where the origins of the Fast Talk podcast idea had come from because when you talked to me about it, it seemed like it was fairly fully formed. But where did you get the idea?
2: So I was trying to basically find my place, establish myself as a coach up in Toronto. Uh, I had to get a whole new clientele. And so one of the things I did in the winter of 2016 was I signed up to help run a morning trainer class this was a class that was every day of the week I took two of the mornings which meant I had to get up at 4 30 go to this trainer studio open it up get everything set up so that the clientele could come in at 5 15 and do their morning workout uh, the workouts were all pre-programmed, so all I had to do was set it up and then basically stand there for two hours while they they did their routine, which was kind of boring. It was early morning, so I was looking for something to do. And one of the classes, I was just like, anybody got some training questions? And they started asking me questions. I started answering, and then that became the routine. They would do their workout, and the whole time they'd just be like, you know, right before an interval, they'd, they'd hit me with a question, and while they were doing their interval, I'd try to give them an answer, and everybody seemed to kind of like it. It helped me pass the time. And finally, after like a, a month or two of that, a couple of them said to me, "You should do a podcast." And I just thought about it for a minute, went, "That sounds kind of cool me. Like literally they're just like, you should just bring in a recorder and record these these sessions." and thought about it and went back to you and just said look i'm doing this every morning kind of informally let's let's actually record this let's do something with it so i'm glad i fooled you into thinking this was heavily planned and i had all the gear because that's really all it all it was
1: now were you a big podcast junkie at the time i mean were you like cranking through episodes of the Joe Rogan experience and like Mark Maron and, you know, working on your like drive time radio voice. Like, hey, Trevor here. We're going <laughs> to check in with Booger and Steve. How's traffic? Ugh. Or was this a completely new medium for you?
2: I had listened to a few, but no, this was a completely new medium. So yeah, I wasn't basing it on any show that I heard. Actually, it was a combination of... Taking what I was doing in those classes, which was just they, they would hit me with a, a topic about training and I would just discuss it and, and try to answer their questions. Like, so they'd hit me with an initial topic. I'd kind of give my overview and then they, they would ask me follow-up questions and that's kind of the way the class went. So tried to structure a show around that. And then it was also looking at my my articles and going, well, I always do interviews in my articles, and those interviews are are really important. And what I had learned writing for Vela News was the training pieces shouldn't be just Trevor giving his opinion. Uh I but I did that with my first couple articles. And I can't Chris, it might very well have been you who said you you really need to have interviews. It really shouldn't just be you. And when I started doing interviews and seeing how much better that made my articles, I just went, I'll, I'll never go back. So when we did the podcast, it was the same thing. I'm like, I, I don't want it to be the one thing I don't want it to be like the classes is me just sitting there spewing my opinion. So that's where we came up with the idea of not only bringing in guests, but let's do side interviews. And fortunately, I've been writing for Vell News for what five years at that point, and I recorded every one of my interviews, so I had all all these recordings that I could toss in.
1: Well, I just remember that it hit um, it had hit at a really important time. I thought for Vell News, I had just come on as executive editor, and and one of the things that I had wanted to do was completely revamp the publication's digital side. I thought the magazine was in really good shape, but yep. that uh, from a digital perspective, Vell News was still. Um, sort of operating in how it had operated uh, sort of in 2011, 2012 with primarily race reports and some feature stories, but you know it was there wasn't any real blogging going on, there wasn't podcast, there wasn't video. And I looked at uh, some of these other successful media entities in the sports space and said, you know, there's definitely opportunity to do podcast and to do video and to do um, like opinion blogs and column writing, but there needs to be sort of a, a push in that direction. And so I was putting together thoughts of how to push the staff in that direction from a writing perspective. And then, when you came to me with this idea of doing podcasts, um, it was like, okay, well, th- this is great because, you know, launching podcasts is something that I've wanted to do. I was actually I was jealous, Trevor, because I wanted I remember to launch my that own podcast.
2: The first thing and you I said, was like, Ooh. yeah, the, the first thing you said to me when I proposed it to you it was like, I've been thinking about a Velodews podcast. I really want to do it, but I'm too focused on the magazine right now. And I I could sense you're like, damn it, you're beating me to the punch. You're beating me to the punch. (laughs) Who is this Canadian with his (laughs) friendly and polite ways? And
1: so you guys, you and Kaylee did it and you launched it in sort of late summer, 2016. What do you remember about this? uh, some of those first shows? what I remember was just like, you know, Trevor... Coming to the office, taking over the conference room, lots of wires and microphones and like doodads that I didn't know, electronic doodads that I didn't really know what they were. And then um, stealing Kaylee for hours at a time when I wish he was actually doing work on the magazine and then um, recording these podcasts. What are your memories from that time? do
2: apologize about that. Yeah. Because I was in Toronto, it, for years it was, I would fly to Boulder for two weeks and we would record like eight episodes all at once, you know, just pound them out. So yeah, I would basically, initially I was stealing Kaylee and then I was stealing Chris and for those two weeks, that's all we did and that's all I focused on. And even though we launched, I think it was September or late August, 2016, we recorded our first set of episodes in April. That's how long it took us. And I love that you say we we have the gear, because after we pitched it to you, Kaylee and I are like, how do we record this? And Kaylee looked up an article and saw a reference to what's called an H4N, which is a podcast recorder. So we ordered one. And then we went to the place where I was staying, which had horrible acoustics, put this H4N in the middle of the table, used its built-in mics, which you should never do. You should hook up proper mics, and tried recording a few episodes and i then went home found recording software called audacity and tried to edit these and discovered just how bad a job we had done (laughs) and i actually spent a month trying to find something that could take the reverb like it sounded like we recorded in a cathedral And it took me a month to find a filter that took enough of the reverb out that you could actually listen to that first episode. Then as I was editing the episode, I treated it like writing. I tried to cut out individual words. I tried to piece sentences together. I I literally tried to edit it the way you would edit writing. (laughs) Uh, Anyone who has... Done a podcast or dip their toe
1: in podcast is no doubt familiar with the um H4N in the middle of the room podcast. That's how I yeah. tried to record my first podcast interview. Poor Danny Pate. I had him for like an hour telling old phone, fo- like goofy stories, and it was completely unusable and terrible audio. And I apologize again, Danny Pate, for wasting your time on that. <laughs> um I remember that, Trevor, quite well. Yeah. You would you would travel into Boulder and record all these podcasts. And I I always felt really bad because I saw how much time was going into it. And also um, how much, you know, you would tell me like each episode, these like half hour to 40 minute episodes, I'm spending, you know, five to 10 hours editing them. And I thought, wow, podcasting is the least efficient medium we have for (laughs) getting content across. It's so fun to listen to, but oh my gosh, like, this is like, bordering on writing a, you know, 3,000 word magazine feature story in terms of time.
2: But that is, uh, I am also obsessive compulsive and obsessive compulsive people probably shouldn't be podcast editors because I can't hear an um and not take it out. (laughs) Who were some of those
1: early guests you had? Some of the people that helped you guys um, refine your style and gain momentum?
2: I'm trying to think the first actual true guess that we had, because initially, some of the early ideas, I love looking back and just going, wow, was was that actually what we were planning? When Kaylee and I talked about it, we actually had this whole idea that we were going to play characters, so I was going to really, you know, they were a version of ourselves. So I was going to be this super incredibly nerdy scientist who could only talk science. And this is the point where all our listeners are going, so you're still doing that, right? <laughs> then we were like, there has to be themes to every article. So we need to do Mythbusters. We need to do race series. There, there was going to be the uh, types of episodes and every one of our episodes was going to fit into one of those types. And that lasted a little bit, but very quickly just went, Yeah, it's really about the topic. But I would say our first 10, 15 episodes were just Kaylee and I recording and then we would throw in side interviews from, from past article interviews that I did. I'm trying to think of when was the first time we actually brought in a guest but it was, uh, it would have been much later. It might have been the uh Episode thirteen, picking a power meter. I know we had a guest for that, and I'm trying to remember who it was.
1: Well, to me, the secret sauce
2: for what Fast
1: Talk would uh, become, and the really, um, the really fascinating part was that you started to get feedback pretty early on from listeners and people writing in with questions or concerns. And that, to me, is always a a sign that something is good when people are engaging with it, with the content you're putting out, whether it's a magazine, whether it's someone writing in a letter to Webletters at VeloNews.com, calling me a moron for uh, the feature story, or tweeting mean things uh, because they thought that the hot take I put out on Twitter or on uh, on the website was completely wrong. When you start to get feedback, that's always a good sign because it means people are um, a like consuming your content, that B, it is resonating with them for whatever reason that they want to reach out. Um, When did you start to see the emails and the letters and the feedback starting to come in?
2: That's a good question because we didn't really have an email or any sort of social feed for Fast Talk initially. So it was really kind of coming through you and you were sending them on to me. And, And my guess is we got a whole bunch of negative feedback that you were kind enough to spare me from uh i was getting feedback from other writers when i was going to races that's where i first got it from and actually it was because this tended to be friends it tended to be very positive feedback i still remember it was funny we were really concerned about keeping the episode short so if you look at our first few they were 20 30 minutes long and the first bit of feedback i ever got was at a race and a friend of mine said why are you only doing 20 minutes like i don't even have time to get into the episode before it's done and that shocked me i thought we were going too long Uh, after that yeah you started filtering emails to me but more of what we got were Follow up questions. Could you explain this? Can you help me with this? Uh, I'm doing this with my training. What would you suggest? I think that's been more of our feedback. And now, Chris, at a certain point,
1: um, you know, Kaylee had left Velo News and we were trying to decide what to do with Fast Talk. And Trevor was adamant that he wanted to stay um, with Velo News. And you had developed a pretty good friendship and working relationship. With Trevor, and you know, ultimately you did come on as the second host. But what, where were you at with your own um, content creation and your own interest around training and sports science when the opportunity to come on board with Fast Talk uh, was open to you? Uh, yeah the
0: the relationship was already there with Trevor, and so I was working closely with him on his training articles for the magazine. We would occasionally do some some really in-depth, uh, feature articles. Um, maybe that came a little bit later, but they dovetailed with sort of the work that we were doing together. Um, training specific physiologically in-depth investigations of one topic or another. And, you know, when the opportunity came to me to be the co-host, I think there was, uh, both a uh, interest and a nervousness about it. First of all, having a science background and a journalism background, I could combine them th- those two things into the podcast, um, and hopefully do it pretty effectively. And that was interesting to me. But you know, uh, not someone who listened to podcasts at that time, not someone who took any broadcast journalism uh, classes in school, so. Uh, if you'd go back to those first episodes where I was on the show, it's essentially Trevor by himself because I was so green. I was very shy. I wasn't really saying much. When I did say things, it, it was uh, <laughs> one or two syllables at most. And um, yeah, it was it was uh, uh, fun but nerve-wracking
1: all at the same time initially. I mean, I was excited when you wanted to do it, Chris, just because as you know someone who had been following your writing and the work that you did i could see that you had this real passion and interest for sports science but i also knew that we at the magazine and the website just had sort of a limited ability to turn you loose on that because your day job was so heavily involved with the production of the magazine and editing everything and managing the content coming in and out and Um, I had always been like, ah, you know, this guy has the science background and he's really passionate about training stuff, but like we have Trevor, he's writing our training stuff and he gets to do a couple features a year around it. But like, where's there going to be an outlet for you to, you know, pursue your inner, your inner dork. And so when fast talk, uh, when, when Kaylee, took off and you were, uh, you know, we're looking for another Fast Talk host. I mean, to me, I I was really excited about it. Trevor, though, he pushed back. He was like, I can't work with this guy, Chris. He's a diva. He demands his own green room. I mean. Oh yeah. Right. Trevor's the diva.
2: Yeah. Well, how'd you do that to me, Fred? (laughs) It's the Canadian jokes. It's just, it never ends. (laughs)
1: Oh, hey there. I can't work with this Chris guy.
2: (laughs) Actually, so the the first, right when we sat down to do our first recording ever with Chris, I, I could see that he was a little nervous because this was his first podcast, and he just looks at me and goes, "What do I do if I can't think of something to say?" And I, I still, I just immediately, without even thinking, responded, oh, just make fun of me for being Canadian. You're good at that."
0: Yep, it stuck. <laughs> it that, really that, that stuck. method has stuck. Sorry, sorry, everybody out there. I'm going to throw in a Canadian apology there for making fun of Trevor.
2: <laughs> eh?
0: um, but yeah, he gave me permission long, long ago, and I've just, he's never taken that back. So
2: there was, and I didn't expect this, there was a change of tone in the episodes um, after Chris came on board. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a really good change of tone. You know, first of all, as you pointed out, with both Kaylee and Chris, they didn't have a ton of time for this, so one of the reasons it's the show's always been more heavy on me. Chris has a science background, like I like to point out. You, you, you are a neuroscientist, uh, but really, you mostly just had the time to come and do the recording. That was definitely the case with Kayla. Kayla would walk into the recording room, and go, "Okay, what's the topic today?" Uh, so I was the one who had the time to do the research, to do all the preparation, and that's why I tend to be more the informational side. But when Kaylee was on the show, Kaylee wanted much more to keep it light. He didn't like the science side as much. So as soon as I would start to geek out, he would just be like, nope, stop that. Uh, Chris gets the science side. As we got further into the show, Chris would start doing preparation for the shows, come to them knowing what he was talking about. So I found after Chris came on board... There was a little more liberty to say, let's really dig into the science of this, and so from what I have seen, the, that we've had a very positive response to that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the number of qu- to get back to the the question about how much feedback we get and how that is an indicator of people's engagement with the show, uh, you, you wouldn't believe how much feedback we get, whether it's through Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or our personal email addresses or our general email address or through Strava or through training peaks. And they reach out via every method with great questions. And it's actually, we have to do a lot of, sorry, we, we give us some time to get back to you because we're somewhat inundated with the, the amount of, of questions and feedback that we get. So we love that. We have a hard time keeping up with it sometimes. And, and, Now we have a Google voicemail uh, system so people can call us and leave uh, voicemails and we get a lot of great questions and that's awesome to see because we all all know that that is a great sign of a very passionate fan base and engaged fan base and inquisitive fan base and that's exactly what we want to do.
1: So this was at the end of, this was like, Q3 2017 when the switch happened, when um, Chris came on as the co-host. And it actually corresponded with a wild time in the history of News as well, where um, our parent company, the competitor group at the time, had decided to, well, first of all, it had been acquired by Iron Man. And they were really doubling down on being an events company. And they looked at the media assets and didn't really want to own those anymore. And so they sold them back to VeloNews' previous ownership, um, a guy named Felix McGowan and his new company, Pocket Outdoor Media, in the fall of 2007. And we were really um, excited and hopeful to have new ownership. Um, you know, it was a different level of, um, I guess, sort of financial strength that we had. There was a lot of interest to grow digital and grow Fast Talk. But there was also... Just that, you know, I, I, won't, I won't bore listeners with the minutia of what was going on behind the scenes. But, you know, Trevor, there were definitely um, years there in which this was a complete labor of love and not a big, um, you know, cash producer for you, where Fast Talk was um, very much based off of your passion and not necessarily like the cash cow that everyone seems to think podcasts are. Um this era I felt like is when Fast Talk really started to hit its stride, you know, 2017 and onward when Chris came on board. But I also know that during this era was not exactly when you were like bringing home the bacon with Fast Talk. Um what was your vision for what Fast Talk could become during this time and you know, what did you how did you carry yourself through this era when like, you know, the, the checks coming in weren't particularly large?
2: As I always say to people, this was my evening job and you you hit the the nail on the head. This was always just a passion. I enjoyed doing this. This was something where I felt if we did this right, if we got the right guess in, if I did my research and came prepared, we could get really good information out to people. And to be totally honest with you, for a long time, it was never anything more than that for me. I, I... never saw this as i was going to make a lot of money as as you know we talked about it you didn't have the budget for it It was bell news was in flux and and we talked about doing the podcast and you said trevor we 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 need these but we don't have the we aren't being given the budget for these right now so i can't offer you anything and i remember how bad you felt about that i was like that's okay this this is my evening job i coach during the day uh, and that's what it was for a, a really long time.
1: But did you, I mean, at that time, did you have visions for like, hey, this could be a standalone company. This could give you a media company. This could be a platform for anything much larger. Or was it very much contained to just, hey, I like doing this. I think there's a real need for it. It really helps Vela News out. And so I'm going to continue doing it.
2: You know, that came later. So you actually, you asked me earlier about the, the big guess and, and, Kind of big moments, and and I was actually kind of looking through old episodes uh, where well, you and Chris were talking there, and i was I would say actually one of the the big moments in the show was literally what it looks like it was two episodes after Chris came on board, probably not the second episode we recorded, but the second one that we put up with Chris, where we did that is FTP Dead episode. so there had been a debate going on neil henderson's company had said that ftp is dead they were making that statement what they were saying is it's more than ftp we have multiple different variables that show our profile as an athlete it's not just one number so we did an episode we got a few of the people on involved in this debate on the show they gave their perspective and then some of the other people who uh had been invited but but chose not to come on the show then contacted us and said wait a minute we want to come and give our side and so we did a follow-up episode where they got to give their perspective and that was the first time with fast talk i felt like we're actually in this space this is this is more than just us sitting here in a, a back room recording a show that we don't even know how many people are listening to that we're we're actually having some sort of an impact and that's the moment when I went, okay, there there could be more to this. This is something that we could grow and hopefully help out the whole cycling community,
1: yeah, I think there were a number of highlight shows when I think about the history of fast talk. obviously, early on, there was the um it was like the budget like if you had what, two thousand dollars, five thousand dollars to spend on a coach on gear or something else, um what would? You know, what, yes. what was your money best spent on?
2: We had the, the two thousand dollar episode, which that was the first one where we got actual feedback. That was episode yep. five.
1: And there was the FTP debate. Then there was something about um looking at my notes here, there was like a Swedish fish debate that like really <laughs> broke through the uh that broke through the news cycle too, made everyone Just... stop dead in their tracks and say, wait, what?
0: Quite possibly the greatest moment in the
2: history of Fast Talk. The infamous episode 15. <laughs> he says with a sigh. It looks So I used to mark which visit to Boulder we recorded different episodes. So this was August of 2016. We had recorded about seven, eight episodes. In, and I, it was a short trip. I was only here for... I think, eight, nine days. So Kaylee and I were exhausted. We had just finished recording all these. And literally, as we finished what we thought was our last episode, Dan walks into the studio carrying a whole bunch of race food, race drinks, drops them on the table and goes, we're doing an episode.
0: And Dan's the tech editor who had, had collected all of this stuff.
2: Yep. Yeah. I'm exhausted. I'm grouchy. Kaylee's kind of in the same mood. We hadn't prepared for this at all. So I was breaking my rule of always preparing for an episode. And, and I don't know if our guests know this, but even if it's a topic that I have written about and talked about a hundred times, it doesn't matter. Before every episode, I go and reread research. I go and try to find new research. This is critical to me that I'm never just phoning it in. Um I have broken that rule a few times I'll admit but that's that's the ideal for me. So here was the first episode where we're like yeah, we don't even have an outline for this one. And I don't know what possessed me but I just leaned into the grouchiness and we just started pulling these things off the table, making fun of them, talking about the ridiculous ingredients in them. And finally, at one point, I made the statement of this stuff is no better than candy. Just buy Swedish fish. That's what I do. And that has stuck with us ever since. (laughs) (laughs) And do you still eat Swedish fish on your rides? I went through a thing where after I said that, I'm like, I have to live this now. So then anytime I stopped at a gas station and I needed food, I bought Swedish fish. And about a year ago, I got really sick of them, so I haven't bought them since.
0: <laughs> and I can absolutely attest to this. I mean, he would he would uh, prepare for rides by. Maybe lubing his chain, but more importantly, going to the store and finding the largest bag of Swedish fish he could find. And that was what he had shoved in his back pocket.
2: Yeah, Look, it was grouchy. There is some truth to this. I I have always said this. Most of these nutrition products are just candy with better marketing. There are good products. There are products that are better than Swedish Fish. But uh, if I'm out for a six-hour ride, I'm not going to spend ten dollars on expensive race food. I'm going to buy the two-dollar bag of candy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's <laughs> oh, that's Trevor in a nutshell. Now, guys, I know you've also, um, you know, you've been able to really deep uh, to dig into the community of coaches out there. Um, guys like Grant Hollicky. Colby Pierce, you mentioned they're going to be on your episodes. Um, but what were who were some other people that you were able to bring onto Fast Talk that you feel really opened your eyes to you know some of the bigger storylines going on in training and sports science?
2: I think obviously the ones that I've been really excited about are some of the top name physiologists we brought on the show. I mean the the first big name that we brought in was was uh, Dr. Holly. It was a huge name in sports nutrition. And I was basically the whole time sitting there kind of shocked that we had had a name like that on the show. Uh, and we've had several really big names in the field. But I think kind of a, a pivotal one that, that's become a, an important part of the show was that, that episode 51 when we brought Dr. Seiler in. Do you remember that, Chris? Do you feel the same? That was kind of a.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That that was to me one of those moments where I actually saw Trevor get giddy, which <laughs> you don't, you don't, you know, something's going on when Trevor gets giddy. This and, was a big one for me. Yeah, this was this was equivalent to, you know, um, the nine-year-old who has had Eddie Merckx's posters on his wall uh, his whole life and then gets to meet the man in person. This was Trevor meeting, he called him Jay-Z on the show. He's like, you are the Jay-Z of exercise physiology. So it was really interesting to sort of, you know, forgive me, but I didn't really know who Dr. Seiler was, but I could tell based solely on Trevor's Emotions that day—that this was a huge thing—and and since then, obviously, learned a lot more about Dr. Siler. He's the first exercise physiologist to have a, a TED talk um, with lots and lots and lots of views. He has been on our show multiple times. We have had influence in the sports science realm because of his uh ideas around polarized training and the the he's used fast talk sort of as a tool to get his message out and it's been incredible i mean that was definitely one of the more pivotal if not the most pivotal moments in in fast talk in terms of our influence
1: so guys you have launched this company fast talk and fast labs Um, you know i can only imagine that the last year a lot of work and planning has gone into this you know take me through the last year or so um what, um, what have you guys been thinking about how, how did this vision come together and um, how did you go about executing it?
2: I, it's tough to think of here is a, a moment where it's like, yep, we're, we're doing this. I think it was something that evolved, uh, as a lot of our listeners know, I'm also involved with the paleo diet and I, I actually now own the trademark and the paleo diet. I now own that business uh so there was a a certain point where i personally was starting to look at uh, i'm building a business here i i I want to do something in the in the media where is all this going uh chris had always been great he and i would get together whenever i was in boulder and and he was being a, a good advisor to me on the business how to model the business how to build the business we we did a whole bunch of kind of fun planning sessions together of what could a business model look like and i think at some point this concept of fast labs and chris was the one who came up with the the name fast labs got folded into that whole conversation is, is that is that how you remember it chris it's it's like i said i can't think of very specific moments or aha moments that that's kind of how i see it yeah we
0: we're working closely together. I was still fully employed at Vela News, full in the midst of being managing editor. But we would have these these weeks, essentially, when you would come down from Toronto, uh, all hands on deck, in so to speak, in terms of fast talk production, setting up interviews, recording them back to back to back. Um, but somewhere in there, yeah, we would also carve out a chunk of time and, and you and I would sit down and, and we, uh, pretend like we were business people. Um, still pretending, still pretending <laughs> like we know what the heck we're doing. And we just start talking and talking and talking, like we could do it this way. We could do it this way and, uh, writing stuff down and drawing on whiteboards and, you know, just, it was it was a it was a long process in a way because yeah we neither of us really had the background to um, say oh this is the way we should do it we kind of had to get there through a lot of talking so yeah it was it was fun um, and originally I think it was more of just a. An exercise, an experiment, if you will, which we both like to do. We weren't, I don't even think we really knew whether we were going to execute on it or not, or if we were just going to sort of talk about it to learn, because that's another thing we like to do. But then, yeah, lo and behold, we just said, let's do this thing. And then
1: we committed and here we are. Well, I could tell from my perspective, Chris, that that at some point, fast talk really did become your passion. I mean, you know, there's a lot that goes into being um, managing editor of Vela News, and you know, Vela News um, editors also seem to have sort of a a lifespan. You know, five years is usually pretty long. I think you were there seven, almost eight years, and in the last year or so, I could tell that, like, you know, the the light bulb was going on in your head when you were talking about. Fast Talk and about the podcast and about what to do about it. And it had really ignited your passion. So when you came to me at midway through the summer, well, I guess it was right after the Tour de France um, this past year and, and let me know that, hey, you know, you're going to be moving on from Velo News and you're going to be um, helping Trevor launch this thing. I was definitely bummed out because I really enjoyed working with you. And, uh, you know, you have brought a ton of Develo news over these last few years, but more and more I thought about it. I was like, ah, it's not, it's not totally surprising. Like that is where, you know, that was where a lot of energy and passion was already going to. And, uh, you know, the fact that you guys had this, um, this following and all these people that were listening to the podcast and really into it it, 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 did sort of put the light bulb on in my own head of like, wow, there could be a lot more there. So, um, yeah, I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised when I heard that you were going to be um, moving over with Trevor to um, to launch this thing. And, you know, from my perspective, guys, I can't say enough about what Fast Talk has brought to Velo News over the last four years from its very humble origins um, into the past year. I mean, you guys, Fast Talk launched our podcast platform and I think that Um, the other podcasts that we have, you know, have 100% benefited from the fast talk audience, people coming every other week to listen to your podcast, sticking around and listening to our podcasts. I think that fast talk has brought so much of a different dimension to, to News from a training and sports science perspective over the last few years. The fact that we have people who really know the material have contacts in the industry to get the experts on and then can frame it in a way that's really interesting. Um, And, and yeah, I, I'm bummed to be losing you guys, but I'm also really excited to see what what the future holds for you because I do think that what you have is, is, you know, just a tremendously valuable property.
2: Well, Fred really appreciate that. And yeah, it it is a, there is a certain sadness to this, but uh, I am happy that I'm going to keep every month sending you that, that Coach's Corner uh, article for the magazine. And the uh, fact of the matter is we're a short bike ride our offices from one another now.
1: Well, once social distancing um, becomes a thing of the past, hopefully sooner rather than later, we can, we can definitely do that. Um, maybe we could like get on our trainers and FaceTime or something like that, you know, to simulate it.
2: Yeah, well, that's so actually we we should mention this for the listeners. Hopefully by the time this episode comes out, this is a reality. Chris and I were talking with Dr. Seiler just a couple days ago about what we could do to help people, and I'm going to reach out to Zwift, but we're going to try to set up a, a weekly training ride on Zwift that Chris, Dr. Seiler, and I will all get on and just invite everybody come join it and we'll we'll set up discord and you can hit us with your training questions you can just talk to us about anything physiology nutrition related and then we'll all go do a ride together so we'll we'll well we have to be physically isolated we can at least virtually spend some some time with all together
1: will this be a no drop ride or can i show up and just like gutter everyone and like go way too hard
2: well we're trying to figure that out because right now the fence at zwift is broken so we're hoping to get mm. that fixed and so anybody who's new to zwift they do have a feature where you can set up a fence so if somebody's on the front hammering and somebody just wants to ride at whatever the advertised pace was for the ride this fence grabs you and basically keeps you very close to the person at the front killing themselves Uh, If the fence is not there, then we'll say it's going to be a no-drop ride, but I have yet to see that actually happen on Zwift. So, Chris, going forward, where will listeners be
1: able to find uh, Fast Talk if they're not going to the Vela News podcast channel?
0: Yeah, so we are on pretty much every popular uh, podcast app with our own channel, so you have to just go there, search for Fast Talk, and – Uh, look for our specific channel. And it's as easy as that. Otherwise, you can also find us online. We have our website, fastlabs.com. There's a whole section, obviously, devoted to Fast Talk. You can see each of the episodes with show notes, references for a lot of the studies that we will bring up in each of the episodes, and uh, an embedded player right on our site. So you can listen there.
1: Well, again, I can uh, speak for the entire Villa News um, staff and a lot of Villa News podcast listeners and VillaNews.com readers when I say thank you, guys, so much for everything that you've done over the last few years, and we're really excited to see what you get up to next. And I get—I I imagine it's going to be big, big things, not just Canadian jokes.
0: I hope but, so. We need to move on from the Canadian, even I'm saying we need to move on from the Canadian jokes. We can, I mean, maybe it's Swedish fish jokes for a while. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, but um, yeah, we'll get up to something good, something big. And thank you, Fred and Vela News for all that you've done for us uh, in, the, in the last few years. It is for me, you know, um, bittersweet in that it was almost eight years of my life that I was a part of that staff. And uh, I know we're, we'll, we'll stay in touch. We're all friends. We'll hopefully be able to collaborate and do great things together in the future.
2: Fred, I got to say a, a big thanks to you going back to the, that started this show. Even when I had the idea for this podcast, it was kind of a, well, that's a, that's a fun idea, but that's kind of dumb. That's never going to happen. And the, in the moment, this became a, a reality was that sitting down with you and saying we have this idea, and you saying that's cool? Let's do this. Let's 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 try to make this happen. And that I, I don't think this podcast would have happened without that conversation with you. So thank you.
1: Well, I'm sorry that uh, it led to so much uh, work and late nights editing podcasts <laughs> over the years. <laughs> eh. <laughs>
2: One last was, Canadian joke. Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I will be seeing you, uh, no doubt, here in Boulder. And listeners can find you guys at FastLabs.com or on the podcast channel of your choice by searching for Fast Talk. Uh, my guests on this first Fred Dreyer hosted episode of Fast Talk with Trevor Conner Chris Case. I will let you guys get back to your day. Thanks, Thank you asking. so much.
0: That was another episode of Fast Talk. And again, the last episode of Fast Talk that will be published on the Vela News channel. So please head on over to your favorite podcast app now and subscribe to Fast Talk. We love your feedback and questions, so please keep them coming. Email us at fasttalk at fastlabs.com or call 719-800-2112 and leave us a voicemail. Also, pull out your phone now, check that iTunes app, give us a rating and a review. That will help others find Fast Talk in the future. Follow us on social media at Real Fast Labs. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Fast Talk are those of the individual. For Fred Dreyer and Trevor Conner, I'm Chris Case.